This Can Do Podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes and history of horse racing come to life. As we recounted last week, among the many things he was, Peter Fuller was certainly a fighter. So, while Dancer's Image may have unfairly had the title of Kentucky Derby winner taken from him, Peter Fuller never stopped pursuing the building of a great champion. In Mom's command, he did so, and he did so with his daughter Abby in the Irons. How many champions, by the way, Zenyatta is one who comes to mind, showed their true champion's heart not in victory, but in defeat. Abby, let's talk a little bit about... Uh Mom's Command. Um, first of all, I, I, I got to say, Mom's Command. Uh, where is the race that's named after her? All these races that are named after, you know, horses in New York. I mean, I think they used to run one at Suffolk Downs, right? Named after her, but they did. Yeah, but they did. They ran one at Suffolk, and it's kind of amazing. You know, um, there's definitely people, <laughs> and myself being one of them, that that feel that there's she's been overlooked in some ways um and i think there's some maybe some politics to that as well you know uh, as you said dad was a guy who did things his own way and he he rode his daughter on this <laughs> champion horse that some people thought that was you know ridiculous and she um you know dancer was a maryland bred and that was not too cool back oh, in the day okay. either. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so he um I mean, yeah, I'd like to know where that race is. You know, she's in a very small league of of Phillies that did that. Right. You know, the right. the Philly Triple Crown, which yeah, we know they, they renamed it, but and then the Alabama, I think I mean the the list of the six I think, five or six um Phillies that did that over the years is an outstanding one. I mean, the best of the best. Yeah, and, and, of course, the distance tests were much greater back then, too, right? The coaching club yep. American Oaks was a mile and a half. Um, yep. You know, we, is, we've seen general shortening of distances in classic races, and in, in, in many classic races, I would Sadly. say. But to be able to carry yep. a mile and a half, um, and also, by the way, in the same, in the same season, uh, and, and I, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I will say – this might have been the most impressive race I've seen, I saw her run, which was the test stakes, and she, she finished second. But that was an amazing effort when I watched that. I could not believe the effort that she put forth there. I'm glad you said that because I, I kind of I agree. I mean, obviously, 
you know, the, the triple crown and the Alabama's amazing, but to come back and, you know, it was a, a bit of a, a risk and they, they, you know, I'm not going to say they, they were saying it was a breeze for her, mm-hmm. but it fit to, you know, it's a grade one race and not, no one's trying not to do the best they can. But I remember, you know, Ned and dad were like, you know, we're not going to try to send her. No one was, you know, just, she's obviously going to be a little different, but it's going to be a race over Saratoga and, um, you know, the quote unquote graveyard of champions. Mm-hmm. And you could never count that race as, as proving that theory. Cause yeah, it was an amazing effort. She did come out of there more relaxed and not looking to go. 22 and change Mm -hmm. but obviously a a grade one you know six and a half seven furlongs is going to be much faster right right than a mile and a half so she was she was relaxed and looking to just take it easy and the the boys um pinned me down on the rail they sure did kind of a they sure did yeah yeah that was you know they were they were doing that i mean that's you know it is what it is, but it happened. Um, and then to actually back her out of there and have her come running on, because um, my boot was scraped and everything, the stirrup was scraped. Oh, so you, know, you were right up against the rail then. You you actually. Yeah. Broke, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I kind of had to, I mean, maybe she would have bullied her way through, but I just didn't seem worth the risk to. To even try that, it wasn't really a thought I even had. It was like we got to get out of here and get her free to, to yeah. run. Yeah. Boy, did she! And that was kind of the, you know, we hadn't seen that. It didn't surprise me at all that she would come running. Um, but you know, obviously, you didn't see that before really from her because she was always close up in her in her very early career as a two year old. She had a little bit of a she'd break a little slow because she was she was real big and i think she was a tiny bit claustrophobic in the gate and then as she relaxed and um actually bob duncan was an assistant starter at the time and he really worked with her and that's before he became the (laughs) the horse whisperer gate man um or maybe he already was obviously but but anyway she actually um came a long way in that two-year-old year to be just relaxed and able to come out of there right on the lead with her natural speed so she she had played catch up a time or two early on okay but okay you know that's that's not ideal and obviously she what she did in that race was yes for impressive and i thought if it was I told him, I said, Cheetah definitely won if it was further. Oh, that's, was that's, that was my reaction, too. Huh? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah without yeah. a doubt. Um, I mean, because my recollection is, I think you took back, like, within the furlong pole. And, and yet, she still was able to get back around and come again. And I think was maybe beaten half a length. Is that about right? I think so. And, yeah, uh, probably I would have said, like, Coming out of the turn or some, yeah, you could be right. I, I haven't seen the race in a long time, but definitely in the latter part of the, of the turn, turning for home somewhere in there. As you might imagine, being a female jockey, 
taking the reins from her owner father and taking them out of the hands of males used to carrying those honors, Abby faced more than her own share of challenges steering mom's command and other horses on their way. So you mentioned the boys kind of, you know, rode you, rode, rode pretty hard against mm-hmm. you in that race. I would imagine that that was something that you probably dealt with for much of your time with mom's command, certainly as you were proving yourself also, right? Sure. You know, it's kind of interesting to look back. I was only uh, the first year I rode her when she was a two-year-old. I was just off my bug because I I rode my first race the end of 82. I won my first race July of 83. So I had one year. So I literally just (laughs) lost my bug. And, um, you know, New England was I, I think we had really good riders and most people stayed there. It was where they lived and, and they loved it. And mm-hmm. we had some really talented riders, but also everybody kind of watched out for each other. And you knew, um, not saying they didn't do that in New York, but obviously I didn't ride there all the time. And no one's pleased to have out out of town riders come in of course, and steal right. the money, quote unquote. Right, right. You know, we didn't we didn't yeah. like it either. <laughs> you know, some doc would come in for the mask cap or something, and uh, you know, it's so so. Yeah, there's definitely um, some of that, and yeah, it, it definitely happened. I mean, they they would try to. I mean, Ned and. And my dad got calls from people trying to get them out, you know, yep. agents, jocks trying to get them out. Yeah. So that's horse racing. And dad was never one to, you know, I, I remember one time I, I broke my toe in, a, in you know, in the gate. Mm-hmm. Just, there's nothing you can do about it, but it hurts like heck. And we had a race coming up uh, with uh, another nice horse dad bred, Fuller's Folly. And I said, Dad, you know, my, my foot is pretty sore. He goes, well, they they do have shots for that, right, if you, if you need it. <laughs> and I kind of was a little, like, it surprised me for a minute. And then I'm like, oh, that's bad. I go like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll take care of it. And I, and I was okay, and we wrapped it up. But it was kind of funny. That, you know, he wasn't like, oh, my, my daughter, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think um, I think it was after the coaching club American Oaks that um, Angel Cordero had the great line. I think he was speaking to your your dad. He said he was sick of looking at Mom's command's rear end. He was sick of looking at your rear end. Also, did that? Yeah. Did yeah. that kind of mark a turning yeah, point in your relationship with them? Uh, do you think? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, Angel and I are very friendly. Um, you know, and I think it would have been different had I been in new york um mm-hmm. you know i've read karen rogers book and she really they you know they were they were good with her when she's in there i really think a lot of it is you know one you're testing you and two yep. you're, you're not from there i mean jockeys do have a we're all in that you know it's obviously a dangerous profession we all get it we've all been there and i'm not saying anybody was trying to throw me over the fence or or hurt me but they were definitely trying to prevent me from getting to the lead in that race uh, of the test for sure as abby mentions as good horses as mom's command was beating there was still at that time a sense that despite all her accomplishments she did not belong in the pantheon of the greats 
But in 2000, Mom's command took her rightful place in the pantheon of the greats of our sport, and one of her chief critics owned up to the fact that he was indeed wrong about the horse and about Abby, the horse Abby lovingly still refers to as Mommy. We, we talked about a little bit, Abby, when we were kind of getting ready for this, too. Um, she, she had such early speed, but it seemed like there was a point in all of her races, in the route races, where she would kind of let horses come. Did, did she let horses come to her a little bit, and, and, and then was she teasing them and then would re-break, or did she just did she find an extra gear once she heard them coming, or, or what, you know, what, what was it about Yeah, that? that's, that's um, yeah, she, for me, she was pretty unique. I, I did ride a lot of speed horses in my career, probably because of her. Mm-hmm. And people would say, wow, you know, you're, you're good on a speed horse. And I, and I think I was. I liked the long, you know, hold and try to just not fight with them. Yep. Her, she was not one. You, you were not going to reach up and pull her back, and she's going to now go twenty-five. It's not. She's not going to do that. And then you're going to, you know, every jockey knows there's a point where you're taking away from their energy, and you're not slowing them down. You're you're you're, you're hurting, hurting yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, she would she would come out boom fast, obviously, and then. And then my thing, which I would try to easy, my easy girl, and I would be as rocked back as, as I felt like I could. And it was, you know, different in different races. Um, I mean, she wasn't, she, she was always looking to go to the front for sure. Um, and then, and then, yes, you're right. She would relax and it would be like, I know the coaching club, I think it's in the a video where they literally came to my booth and I'm, I'm waiting because I know that she's going to, it's been a mile and a half. Yeah. So we're going to wait as long as we can, but I never, those guys were riding. Obviously I can't see behind me, but you can feel, you can feel what you have. And then I would ask her and she would always have, I would say, yeah, she had that extra gear when it came time. Um, extra gear, something in the tank still, uh, whatever it was. And it was funny because, you know, some of the New York writers would would see her, you know, obviously if her last fraction, you know, from three in front or whatever, and she's just put a burst to go away from them, I'm not asking her for more. I'm, we're good. Right, right, so right. So maybe that last quarter's slow, and they're like, oh, well, she can't go further, and course she proved that wrong you yeah know? yeah exactly yeah yeah it's kind of interesting that there was that perception early on in her career that she couldn't get the distance right and and you know like we said the triple tiara the test in between shortening up and then going back and 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 winning the alabama and she wasn't by the way you know she wasn't beating cupcakes either i mean lady secret franz valentine outstandingly right. all well-known good horses very good horses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Clock Secret was a really fast uh, filly that she ran into early on. And um, they just, yeah, they were, so it wasn't just, oh, horses that aren't as fast right. as her or horse, you know, where she would, I mean, yeah, she got, she got tested and she, she really um, was funny when she went into the Hall of Fame years later, I think it might have been 96. Uh, it's when Jose Santos also went in. Okay. And Steve Christ, Eddie Gray kind of pulled him in to, to us, to me and Ed. Um, and Ed said, 
Steve, you know, what do you think now? And he laughed and he said, I, you're right. You know, she was amazing. <laughs> he was, he was a pretty harsh critic of her. Uh, he was, maybe, that's right. You know, that's maybe right. more yeah. of me too. Yep. I mean, they were definitely, it was both. It was both and, you know, uh, the rider and the horse, the girl's inexperienced and not strong enough, whatever, all the, the things that, uh, you know. You mentioned uh, Eddie Gray. My dad worked at the Boston Herald for a number of years, so I knew Eddie Gray. I worked as a copy boy at the Herald for a couple oh, of years, okay. and so yeah, Ed Gray. For those who don't know, was the racing writer at the uh, at the Herald, and I believe he's still around, right? Um, he is at Gulfstream. I actually, when I was working at Gulfstream as a um, kind of a racing ambassador and customer service, and and Ed was there and and worked for Gulfstream, so it was always great to see him and. And he'd laugh, and I'd say, oh, Ed, give us your big smile. And he still loves curmudgeonly uh, reputation that's not really true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 He's great. In listening to Abby talk about Mom's Command, I hearken back to my interview with Jerry Bailey regarding his run with Cigar, when Jerry said he could often tell going down the backside that Cigar had already beaten his rivals. For Abby, she sometimes saw that defeated look in other horses' eyes in the post-parade as they eyed the Triple Tiara winner. One doesn't always get to experience such heady, life-changing moments. And even when one does, it's not always appreciated to the fullest until after it's long over. You know, we were talking about uh, mom, and, and it it reminded me of um, a conversation I had with Jerry Bailey. We, we interviewed Jerry to talk about his experience on Cigar. And he talked about um, knowing that, you know, to, so the casual fan would see the race unfolding with Cigar in it and would think, as they're going down the stretch, oh, Cigar has them beat. Jerry said that he actually knew many times on the backstretch that he was already going to be the winner and these other horses would beat, were, were, were beat. And, and it sounds like you had similar type experiences with, with, with Mom and, and knowing that you had more there. What, what is that feeling like when you know you're sitting on a horse that, you know, is going to dominate at, at, at will? It's got to be an incredible, especially if you ride a number of horses, to – you must realize what a unique experience that is. It it really is. And um, I'm going to say even, even sometimes in the post parade, um, I remember feeling one of the New York races um, that mom, we were warming up mm-hmm. and I, it feels like, it seems like it was the coaching club. And, you know, I wouldn't overly warm her up. She loved a nice long jog, a little lope, and then I'm not trying to warm her up too much because I know she's already going to go. And she would be, not, you know, as long as she felt good and loose, and we'd be walking, and I'd kind of pet her and, you know, kind of run my hands down her neck and just let her be relaxed. And there was a time or two when it felt like the other horses were almost circling around us, looking over. I know I'm putting a little bit, maybe too much human, but like, oh no, there she is. <laughs> they're already, they're already beaten. <laughs> I think so. I mean, you know, like just like what Jerry said, like when they are a champion and they have that, um, that sense about them. And then I'm sure too, they have that confidence. Horses absolutely grow confidence. Yes you know, in, in, in winning races. I mean, yep. the good, the good racehorses and, and the good, like a, a good horse that's not a racehorse, you know, and then he gets his, maybe, 
he was somewhere and they didn't really see him. And then once you really let them know, you see who they are and you respect them, um, they, they feel that. And, yeah, she was definitely uh, a horse that I would actually love to meet up with her again <laughs> and tell her in my now um, kind of evolved horse uh, horsemanship. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I did. I obviously appreciated her, loved her and all that. But I, I do think, um, you know, some of my more recent work has made it just so obvious what they what they do um, kind of give us. Yeah, yeah. If, I'm if getting a tear looking. in my eye now when you say that. I, you know, uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm, I mean, I think we all, you know, we all look back at things that we didn't appreciate uh, at 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 the time, even as they were good. That we didn't appreciate them as much, maybe as we could have. Or, or well, you know what, have. too, um, Bill. I think it's kind of interesting. I've thought about this a lot, but at the time. Um, you know, like I said, I look back and my gosh, I was barely off the bug and then a year off the bug in the, in the next in her three-year-old year. But at that time, I kind of had myself in a little bubble, bubble of, you know, jockey doing your job and not really going there to those places, which I think is kind of important, maybe especially as a female jock or that at that time or but it definitely was a part of of it where looking back i have some different like wow perspectives but at the time it's like yep we're here back in new york we got a job to do 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 look at the race feel good all that as we mentioned earlier peter fuller was a fighter and you can hear how that fighting spirit lived on and lives on in abby of course equally important is to know when to get out of a fight Oh, that's that's no, that's that's an interesting thought because I again going back to talking with Jerry, he said that for the longest time, he like you just described, he thought of each race as a job. Okay, this is the horse. Um, I looked at the past performances. This is what the horse liked to do. I look at the horses, other horses in the race, um, and I get the race is over. I get off them and I go on to the next one. Um, I I suppose to a certain extent you have to get into that mindset, right? To yeah. to be able to do the job, um, effective, especially. You know, you jump off the horse after one race, you get what, 20 minutes before you're in the paddock for the next race, right? So you right. You don't really, you're not really, I guess, given time to reflect very much. Right. It's, it's definitely a unique um, <laughs> occupation for sure. And, and I, again, almost have more, you know, I think of us up there in New England going out in the winter and, you know, ha ha, is it above zero? We'll make the card if it's. <laughs> Yep. five below at Suffolk or if it's below zero they're you know we'll ride the first two and then they'll get, and I mean we're getting pelted with the dirt and it's just kind of part of it even like galloping in the mornings was so amazing on the especially on the good days I love some jockeys don't really like to gallop horses I I, I really enjoyed it um I, I'm saying that I, I think there's some jockeys that don't really like to gallop you know, no, I think that's right. Just the races, but yeah. but I really enjoyed the kind of the connection um, that's a little different in the morning. And sometimes it's like having them, you know, oh, you got to relax. We're, you know, we're not going today, and kind of figuring them out and being a little, yeah, it's it's different. 
different skills maybe than riding a race, which obviously has its own own uh, skill skill sets and. I mean, I would imagine if you don't enjoy like that type of thing, like galloping the horses in the morning, it's. A, I mean, it's a tough job anyway. Let's face it. I mean, you dealt with you know right. spinal fracture and who knows, you know, broken toes and probably everything in between, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I started too, which which I think was a really good way. You know, I started. I did work for actually the first first racehorse I ever got on was. Um, for Norman Hall out at a farm in Massachusetts, John Hall's dad and Amy Hall is a, a trainer down in Maryland, her grandpa. And they had a couple of horses for my dad. And I went to Ned up at Rockingham mm-hmm. the summer. And then I went to Ocala two or three years. I, I'd been there for horse shows okay. um, back in the day, but then I spent two or three winters there. Uh, you know, Norman Hall's Cardinal Hill Farm, Norman um, Cassie's Farm, and, you know, worked for worked for the first guy I worked for, um, Mr. Myers, told me I would never be a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> so, we did, I never called him off later on, I'm sure he saw, but anyway, um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I started with the young horses, um, laying over their backs and starting right from the beginning. So I, I definitely had an appreciation for that, which I think is really important, might be lacking in some some ways along the, these days. These days, some yeah. Some seem to get in it a little quicker. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of interesting going back to your, your dad. He really let you, um, and I imagine this is probably true of all his children, he, he let you find your own way. He didn't dictate you're going to do this or that right just just you uh and that's hard for a parent to do sometimes i think but he he lets you carve, carve out you know we talked about carving your path carve out your own path you know it's true and, and i probably have more appreciation now as my children are now they're um michaela's 20 and marissa's 25 and mm-hmm. george is 34 so they're like grown up now, and yeah, the, you you appreciate that because yeah, my mom, my mom and my dad. I mean, I went off to Ocala myself, lived in a in a camper on the back of someone's property, and I didn't call them. We didn't have cell phones, right, you know. Right, I know right, they'd call right, once in a while. Yeah, yeah they called the guy that I worked for. Yeah, she's still here. <laughs> <laughs> Every couple of weeks, I mean, just to make sure everything was all right. It is kind of amazing. And I also, I had done, I did the horse shows and, and loved that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an expensive sport. Um, I got to do kind of two years of the kind of high level stuff. Yeah. And then dad did say, he goes, you know, you're going to do the racing. Cause then I was 19 turning, you know, getting to be 20. And he's like, if you do want to do the racing, and be a jockey. And I kind of did think, you know, like, Hey, I, I know how to ride. <laughs> I'll probably roll in there and they'll see what a good rider I am. I mean, I didn't say that, but I know there was a part of me that thought that. Sure. And I remember going to, um, so one, the, one of the first horses at Norman's took off with me and it was a little baby horse that didn't know anything, but I didn't know anything either. Not about riding racehorses and making a cross and, doing all the, so 
so it took off in the field with me and <laughs> Norman was kind of shaking his head. And then Ned put me on the sweetheart of a, of a two-year-old that was actually my, my brother's um, horse. And I pulled my irons up because I wanted to look like everyone else mm-hmm. and like I knew what I was doing. And the horse just kind of dropped his head and played and bogged his head and did little bucks. And I came off oh. and I was back on the end of the shank. Which I was also anyway. I mean, I was hot walked and clean tack and did, you know, like everybody else. And, you know, they send you for a bucket of steam at the quarter pole and <laughs> funny stuff. I, I didn't know that was fake. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it definitely, he did not like tell Ned, oh, she's got to ride good horses. I mean, they actually took me off. Um, Ned had a horse. I, I rode this horse, uh, Angel Sale. So believe it or not, 1983, I remember. And he was going to win. He finished third off a layoff. And I probably didn't, I probably wasn't the best rider for him. He was kind of a big, strong horse. And he maybe leaned out a little bit. And so they put Gamby, the leading rider, Carl oh, Gambadell sure. on him. Yep. And he won the next time. And I was so mad. And I was like, what the heck, you know? I've been two years, three years, whatever, two, but probably two and a half years. And so I ended up saying, Ned, I'm going to go out and try to find mounts. You know, I'm not going to gallop in the morning for you. Like, it was a paid job. And he was like, okay. And I did. And I went out and, and got my first winner was for a guy, great guy, my friend, Jimmy Pace, um, had a horse called Gallopole. And, and I was an apprentice had never won a race. And, and they were, you know, oh, we're looking for a rider for this horse. I kind of stepped in front of him, walking, you know, in the shed row. <laughs> and uh, here I am. Him yeah. and his his assistant, Mike Mazinski, and they said, oh, we'll give her a leg up on here. And he wanted, he actually became a horse. I, I won about six on him, and Billy Perry had claimed him somewhere along the way. And he was one of the first horses. It was how I got to ride any horses for Bill Perry. Okay. Did you say Mike Mazinski, by the way? Yeah. So yep. I interviewed. I did a, a show two or three seasons back on fair, the whole fair racing circuit here in Massachusetts, and I ended up sure. talking to Mike he knows about everything it. about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. knows all the names. He yep. does. Yep. He does. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, he had some Good great guy. stories too. I, those of us who remember the fair racing circuit, it was uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it was unique. So environment. I went once. Okay, you I, did. Okay, I rode at. At Northampton, mm-hmm. um, I had a horse for a guy. It was very fast, and he couldn't really breathe well. And so he said, let's let's take him um, to Northampton. He can go the shorter distance. Um, he's a big, beautiful horse. Um, Billy Keene was the trainer. And so we, we went there, and I only remember the horse's nickname, which was Poor Baby. <laughs> he was so <laughs> cute. And so we go there, and... They put me in the gate, and the guys actually made this horse break out of the gate. They started with kneeing him, and I said, get out. I'm all set. I didn't really know much, but I knew. I'm like, so the horse breaks through the gate, goes down the track. I pull him up, bring him back. Now he breaks the step slow. <laughs> of course. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they squeeze him because he's supposed to go right to the front. Squeeze, squeeze, cut me off. Now I'm going around. And Tommy Maida looks over and takes me right to the outside fence. (laughs) 
And I'm like, I'm going, hey, hey. Of course, he knew exactly where we were. And sure. he wasn't trying to put me over the fence. He was just taking me out of the way. Because yep. I was I'm sure I was a, a favorite. And then I finally get loose and free, and I finish second. And I came back. I said to Billy, I'm, I'm never coming back. Here he goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and about a week or two later, I won my first race at Suffolk. So, yeah, there were slights recounted in our story. Very real, not perceived. But I hope you've got some sense of the heroes here, not just in our sport, but in their lives, who faced challenges, fought hard, and persevered in their pursuit of not the prize of the trophy or the purse, but the prize of living their dreams. And I hope you heard in there a story of the ultimate prize, the love of a daughter for her father and the magical ride that they shared together. Thanks for joining me. We look forward to you rejoining us next week for another edition of our podcast. In the meantime, God bless you and all your loved ones. May good health happiness and gratitude for both be yours today and always